Henry commented, and I'll bet it ain't far from five feet long. Kind of strange color for a wolf, was Bill's criticism. Never seen a red wolf before. Looks almost cinnamon to me. The animal was certainly not cinnamon-colored. Its coat was the true wolf coat. The dominant color was gray, and yet there was to it a faint reddish hue. They camped early that night. Three dogs could not drag the sled so fast, nor for so long hours as could six, and they were showing unmistakable signs of playing out. And the men went early to bed, Bill first seeing to it that the dogs were tied out of gnawing reach of one another. The next day began well. They had lost no dogs in the night. Their spirits were fairly light until, at midday, they overturned the sled on a bad piece of trail. It was an awkward mix-up. The sled was upside down and jammed between a tree trunk and a huge rock, and they were forced to unharness the dogs in order to straighten out the tangle. The two men were bent over the sled and trying to right it, when Henry observed one ear sidling away. Suddenly he broke into a run across the snow, his traces trailing behind him, and there, out in the snow of their back track, was the she-wolf waiting for him. He tried to sniff noses with her, but she retreated playfully and coyly. Every advance on his part was accompanied by a corresponding retreat on her part. Step by step she was luring him away from the security of his human companionship. Too late, one ear learned his mistake. Before they saw the cause, the two men saw him turn and start to run back toward them. Then, approaching at right angles to the trail and cutting off his retreat... They saw a dozen wolves, lean and gray, bounding across the snow. On the instant, the she-wolf's coyness and playfulness disappeared. With a snarl, she sprang upon one ear. "'Where are you going?' Henry suddenly demanded, laying his hand on his partner's arm. Bill shook it off. "'I won't stand it,' he said. "'They ain't going to get any more of our dogs if I can help it.' Gun in hand, he plunged into the underbrush that lined the side of the trail. "'Say, Bill!' Henry called after him. "'Be careful! Don't take no chances!' Henry sat down on the sled and watched. There was nothing else for him to do. All too quickly, far more quickly than he'd expected, it happened. He heard a shot, then two shots in rapid succession, and he knew that Bill's ammunition was gone. Then he heard a great outcry of snarls and yelps. He recognized one ear's yell of pain and terror, and he heard a wolf cry that bespoke a stricken animal. And that was all. Silence settled down again over the lonely land. He sat for a long while upon the sled. There was no need for him to go and see what had happened. At last he arose in a weary manner, as though all the resilience had gone out of his body and proceeded to fasten the dogs to the sled. He passed a rope over his shoulder, a man-trace, and pulled with the dogs. He did not go far. At the first hint of darkness he hastened to make a camp, and he saw to it that he had a generous supply of firewood. He fed the dogs, cooked and ate his supper, and made his bed close to the fire.
morning came, but for the first time the light of day failed to scatter the wolves. They remained in a circle about him and his fire, displaying an arrogance of possession that shook his courage born of the morning light. The night was a repetition of the night before, save that the need for sleep was becoming overpowering, and at last he gave in to it. He dreamed. It seemed to him that he was in Fort McGurry, and that the fort was besieged by wolves. And then, so strange was the dream, there was a crash. The door was burst open. He could see the wolves flooding into the big living room of the fort. With the bursting open of the door, the noise of their howling had increased tremendously. And then he awoke to find the howling real. There was a great snarling and yelping. The wolves were...